You're listening to the Geek Legacy Escape Pod. The crew coming together and gelling and becoming this like you know intergalactic family that we know and love. And wacky mayhem ensues. It just feels like they're trying so hard to capture the fans of the original series. Yeah, that was hot garbage. It, he just got like weird, like creepy uncle weird. That was a bold choice. Yeah, I, I had fun with it. It's true. It was the 80s. It must be so bad that they just never <laughs> You won't make it in the future, do they? I don't think so, no. I am not a Tashi R fan. That's probably the nicest thing I will say. That is absolutely perfect way to describe <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah. Hey there, geek boys and girls. Welcome back to Geek Legacy's Escape Pod our week-to-week look at Star Trek The Next Generation through a modern lens. How well does this hold up all these years later? Uh, We are almost done with Season 1. Holy shit, it has been a long journey, but we are getting there. Uh, We have watched and rated 23 out of 25 episodes for the first season, and uh, shockingly, we are really, really close. We are at 11 nays for negative uh, re- reactions to an episode and 12 yays for positive reactions. And we only have two more left this week's and then one more after that. So are we going to tie it up today? Or are we going to be decisively in the A column? You got to stick around and find out. I am your host, Randy Van Dyke, and I am joined by two wonderful gentlemen this evening. The first of which being Mr. Justin Cavender. How you doing? I am fabulous, Randy. Thank you for having me on board, your escape pod. Well, you know what? I just got the shower fixed, so we're all nice and clean, and I don't <laughs> mind cohabitating with a couple of gentlemen. So uh, it's all good. I'm vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. All right. And and our, our third member of our of our cadre is uh Mr. David Edmondson. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm 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 excited to see how progressive you are in the twenty-third century. Or is it the twenty-fourth century? I think it's the 24th century. I could be wrong. Either way, I'm excited that you're so progressive in the 24th century, and I I, I really appreciate your use of the word cadre. Hey, fantastic. No, I'm I'm, firing on all cylinders here. And when it comes to progressive, I mean, we were watching a show where uh, a male, what what appeared to be a visually male crew member wore a miniskirt in episode one. So uh, anything goes in the 24th century, and everybody is very accepting. And, a POH, uh, if world, you will. That's the world I want to live in. So, speaking of the world I want to live in, episode number 25 or 24 this week, Conspiracy is the name of it. And uh, let's take a look at the little blurb courtesy of IMDb. Uh, after diverting to a secret meeting with an old friend and some of Starfleet's finest commanders, Picard finds the Horatio blown to bits just hours after the meeting, and he returns the Enterprise to Earth looking for answers. It originally aired on May 7th, 1988, and it has an 8.1 star rating on IMDb, which is the highest rated episode of all of season one. So uh, we all had pretty high hopes coming into this episode. David, even last week, you would tease that uh, that you would kind of let your Netflix keep playing the the next episode. So you'd started watching a little bit of this episode last week, and you said you were hooked. So uh, I hope it ended as strong as it began for you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, after the podcast, uh, uh, I was a little hyped up. I couldn't go right to sleep, so uh, I just watched the rest of it, uh, and then. You know, I watched it kind of in the background uh, today just to make sure that it was still fresh in my mind and stuff like that. Uh, so, yeah, I was I was very excited, especially after, you know, the, the kind of the letdown of a couple episodes prior. Um, so, yeah, I was 
as much as you know, I was hoping that it would be an A, so we'd have that like tensionist nail biter at the last one, like, oh, was the last one gonna sway one with the other? Um, you know, I, uh, I I enjoyed this a lot more than I was hoping. So you're already anticipating that this one's gonna be a yay from the sound uh, of that. Yeah, I already <laughs> know. So I, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm definitely in the same boat as you. I, I've I enjoyed this one quite a bit, and I, ironically, you know, this is the only other one that I remember watching from my childhood. Um, I remember this one, and I remembered the Black Tar Monster, uh, the Skin of Evil, the one where Tasha Yar dies. And I think I remember both <laughs> of them because, <laughs> yeah, uh, or whatever his name was, yeah, someone, um, <laughs> yeah. But I think I remember them because of how how scared it made little eleven year old me. Uh, watching them because that tar monster was kind of spooky and it reminded me of creep show too with that plastic trash bag monster in the lake and um this one's got some pretty wicked practical effects with the little stop motion uh bugs and then they just totally just char the guy that uh was running the investigation against picard earlier in the season um so it was uh L- lieutenant commander dexter remick character's name um yeah it, it was pretty gnarly and 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 some of that imagery stuck with me like i didn't recognize this episode at all until i saw that little fucking bug in the guy's little case that he sneaks on the the admiral's case that he sneaks onto the enterprise and i'm like oh shit this is that episode i remember this now it's the one where the bugs get in their brain man some yeah. kind of smart bug. <laughs> I find the idea of a brain or of a bug that thinks offensive. <laughs> oh, jeez. I like how it sticks out like the little stinger little thing kind of out of the out, out of the side of the neck, kind of like a little Wi-Fi antenna sticking out there. Like yeah. this is how we communicate. Well, it was a gill. That's, that's how they that's how they breathed. That oh, breathed. was that that's it? how it they that's gill? how they could breathe, yeah. So they had to have it sticking out because they could so they could breathe. Uh, I think I must have missed that in the episode. It was just a fun little prosthetic thing they could do to see who's been turned and who hasn't. So, yeah, the point of the episode, and it's kind of funny because I have to point this out. How many episodes this season have they been going to a planet that was for fun or for, like, uh, some shore leave or whatever, and then they get pulled away and then they never fucking make it? Isn't this, like, the second or third time this has happened? Like, these poor people, all they want to do is just, like, find a beach somewhere, sit and have a drink and relax, and they just keep getting thrown into the shit. It's like the Griswolds trying to go to Hawaii all the time, but they keep keep getting screwed out of shore leave. (laughs) Thanks. For all you Venture Brothers fans out there, surely <laughs> likes the hells. Thanks. God, I missed that show. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, uh, so our buddy, our buddy Josh, who we had on the show uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, he sent me a text as we started recording, and it says uh, that track was borderline, but I thought it was a little closer to a yay than a nay. Multiple watchings, though, it would get worse. For a first-time watch, though, I was curious how it would play out. Yeah, I think he's really kind of onto something there because this one really affected me watching it once. But if I had to sit down and watch this again, maybe even just a year from now, all I'm going to do is cringe at the effects, probably. Yeah, I, I don't think the. I don't think the second half was as good as the first half. Like I think once it became kind of like a like a monster type thing, um, and the the effect of it crawling up Deckard's like body that was that was pretty atrocious stop motion. <laughs> I mean, all the other stuff was fine, but that that one clip of it kind of going up his leg and up his like shoulder and stuff like that that was like 
Like I could have done better than that. And that's, that's, that's a pretty bad bar there. Yeah. It was like very clearly a mannequin arm and just like a rubber thing that doesn't even articulate. Like it was just slithering, but none of the little legs moved. None of the little pinchers moved or anything. It was just like, it reminded me of those, um, they used to make like this little like mad scientist lab kind of thing. Um, and you could like, m- like melt down your own plastic and make your own little plastic bugs and shit like that inside this mad scientist lab. That's what it reminds creepy me of. Crawlies. Creepy crawlies. Thank you. Holy shit. That's it. Yes. Fellow children of the nineties. I appreciate you for, for coming to the rescue and saving me from wondering for the next fucking week, what that was. Yes. Creepy crawlers. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, so and the song was like creepy crawlers. Oh my god, yes. There was some like screaming involved. Yeah. <laughs> and the kid had like the like the beakers and the goggles and like the lab coat and stuff. Yeah, I want to say like even some of the plastic was like uh black light reactive, so Yeah. Was, uh, I remember them being like yeah. sort of neon green and purple yeah. and stuff, yeah. Ah, good times. It's very so, yeah, much in the totally vein of a slime. Everything had slime in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Well, slime's making a comeback now. Hell, you can make it from from the comfort of your own home. Episode's over. We all know how we're voting, right? Well, <laughs> teasing. so one thing that I really liked about this episode, and something that I never noticed in earlier episodes for season one anyway, was that when there's sort of the over, uh, where, the, where the Enterprise is flying away from the camera, uh, we see a shot of the bridge from the outside, and you see people walking. And I feel like I haven't really noticed that before, where there's actually... You know, a, a busy bridge area with, with people, you know, like it's a thoroughfare where I will see that. Normally, I, we see the bridge and we see the windows, but I never noticed people walking around before until this episode. Maybe we have, and I just didn't notice, but this was the first time it caught my eye. Shoot, you're going to make me want to go back and rewatch it because I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, and I thought it looked good, which is the only reason why. Because, you know, the effect, as you mentioned, the effect parts in the later part of the episode are pretty terrible, but. The production value of the Enterprise flying away from the camera as it's, you know, like whatever, star date, four, five, six, eight, two, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, that part looked really cool. And the only other standout that we had for that was when it was pulling into that, that space station that one time. Remember, that looked really good, yeah. too. And that so. was like leftover from Star Trek V or whatever. It was right, right. Yeah. Movie models. It looked really good, though. And I was like, ooh, this looks pretty. Another standout model scene in this one, and it's probably for the wrong reason, was the uh, the wreckage and debris from the Horatio, the blown up starship. <laughs> yeah. It was very clearly like little, very small model model kit kind of debris, that kind of thing. It was, uh, yeah, it, lo- it looked a little cheesy. And it's only because they focused on it for so long. If they had done like a real quick shot of it or treated it almost like, you know, when the Millennium Falcon jumps out of hyperspace into the wreckage of Alderaan, you only see it for a second, but it's like, holy shit, you're feeling the effects of it. Here, we're just like looking at it for a while and studying it, and it was like the right. same shot of that one piece of debris just coming towards the camera, and then the yeah. same shot again, the same piece of debris. I'm like, isn't that thing eventually going to like hit your shields or your hull or something like that? <laughs> right. It looked like they just like literally emptied like a trash can <laughs> like onto like a green screen or something like that. Right. It reminded me of Jaws 3D, where he's coming to break the glass where it's just slow and and it's happening and you're waiting for it but nothing even remotely interesting happens it's kind of funny reminds me of jaws one where they empty the stomach of the shark and you get all the the license plate and the debris and that kind of shit just like yeah just like david was saying emptying a trash can he didn't swallow a car did he yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
anyway yeah so i i agree though i think that the the first half of the episode was stronger because it was this great sense of intrigue like ooh, we we we've, we finally get to hear for the very first time in the the series like ooh, there's a special coded code 47 message or whatever that can only be uh opened up by the captain and there's absolutely no record kept of it and starfleet you know is not made aware of this communication or anything it's like why does something like that exist if not for nefarious purposes or i guess if you think that your your government or your leadership is being overthrown but that just sounds like a really shady way to to start off the episode like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna reach out to you on this super secret subspace uh frequency uh, so that we can overflow, overthrow Starfleet, which is what it sounded like. Right, but it is weird that everyone knows that it's this weird super secret channel. You know, like what are they? What could they possibly be talking about? Like that automatically just opens up the door for right. speculation. It's so it's so weird. I feel like there should be a red phone in the captain's quarters that you know only he would know that he was getting a phone call versus so it going to the bridge. Nowhere. Yeah, right. it couldn't. It couldn't have just had you know Worf or whoever pick up the line and be like, "Oh, it's for you, you Captain. It's uh, you have to take it in your quarters." And then he goes in his quarters and takes the call. Yeah, he said it's, We got a super secret. Call. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody listen. Oh, jeez, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. And then you know one other thing that I think is is kind of odd, and I mean it's a ridiculous complaint, but I hate how they always just get to beam down to planets without any gear. You know, like they never have to wear spacesuits of any kind. Not, no helmets, no nothing. They, and that, because they only go to class M planets. Just it's bothers. As that. It just bothers. <laughs> Stewart's a sexy man. You don't. You don't put a helmet on the, on Patrick Stewart. Oh, I, I, I liked always... how I liked how he took the call like in like his like pajamas and like his chest yeah. all exposed. Yeah. And, <laughs> you don't want to put on like a coat or something. That's yeah, important. it's official Starfleet communication. You may want to, you know. Look like you didn't just roll out of bed. Right. It's, it's not super a super secret one, so it's an important one. It's yeah, 3 p.m. It, on Earth. Come on. What are you doing sleeping in the it's day? It's not official. There's no record of this conversation. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. I don't know. I mean, uh, that whole phone call thing was just a little weird. I would prefer a bat phone sort of device versus... The, the let's tell everyone we're going to have a super secret conversation <laughs> approach. Yeah. So then it leads to a clandestine meeting on some remote planet where they all beam down into this like mine shaft. Uh, the captains of all these, these different starships uh, meet up and basically talk about the fact that they think that the, uh, the Federation is being over overrun by something or they're, they're being replaced. And even on some of their ships, they feel like some of the crewmen's crew members have been replaced because they're just not ask acting right. And, and uh, let's see, what was his name? Captain. What was it? Captain. It wasn't keel. Was it? Maybe it was Captain Keel, uh, uh, Captain Walker Keel. He was uh, Picard's old friend. Uh, I guess they'd known each other for quite a while. Wasn't and, he in that uh, other episode where he's trying to recruit Picard for the Academy? Was that the same guy? Was that the same one? I don't know. I thought it was. Because that that also would have explained um, Lieutenant Commander Asshole uh, Dexter Remick. Because <laughs> that, that he was that man a gunner. <laughs> Uh, he was only in this. He was. I think he was only in this one episode. Oh, okay. So it's a different guy in another one. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, but he just, as soon as Picard shows up, he's just barraging him with questions, trying to like make sure that he's actually him. Like, and like all these trick questions to intentionally trip him up. And I'd like to say that I know you guys pretty well and we've known each other for a while. But if you start throwing out in random conversation, um, about how many brothers or sisters you've got chances are I, I know roughly how many siblings you've got but my brain doesn't necessarily retain all that information to where i'm gonna call you out immediately if you say that you've got a brother when i know you have two sisters it sounds like a fun like, game oh, randy how many siblings does justin have uh dude at least two <laughs> sisters yeah do you know their names um, if I looked at my Facebook feed, I could tell you. <laughs> How many siblings do I have, Randy? Uh, you've got two siblings, one of each. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. But I'm just saying, that's not the kind of stuff that my brain focuses on because I didn't have any siblings. So it doesn't, for me, that's just kind of like this big empty gap that I don't think about much because I can't relate to it. Um, but yeah, if, if you're going to say, like if you're going to try to trip me up by saying, yeah, my brother, this, when I know you have two daughters, two sisters, I'm going to think, well, maybe he means his brother-in-law and I'm not going to correct you on it. Well, then you'd be in deep shit. If we were meeting, have a clandestine meeting on some strange planet after calling each other on one 800 space collect. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dial down the middle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, Picard passes the test where I would have failed. You and then he gets jumped into their gang. We would have vaporized you on sight, Randy. <laughs> yeah, and we did get to see Captain Ricks, who is Michael Berryman, who people have seen in, in movies since the dawn of time. Like um he was in One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, he was in The Hills Have Eyes, he's one of the he's one of the cannibals, he's Pluto. Weird science, he's one of the bikers that invades the house. Nice. Uh, so this pretty, time he was blue. <laughs> Yeah, pretty recognizable face. You can you spot him even without with or without the makeup. He looks like the same man. So totally, pretty cool. Yeah. So then, as soon as they leave this meeting, uh, they come across the wreckage of uh, as they're basically they make the decision to go straight to Earth to see if it's true what they're saying about Starfleet Command after making all these really weird um, changes in, uh, in in officers high up, like the admirals and everything. They decide they're going to go back to Earth and kind of check it out in person instead of going off to whatever pleasure planet they were supposed to have their shore leave on. And as they're making their way over there, they come across the wreckage of the Horatio, which was uh, Picard's captain friend uh, ship and uh no survivors and when he gets to earth and asks about it they're like oh yes due to severe what was negligence it, uh, negligence of the captain yeah. it's like yeah idiot <laughs> way to throw him under the bus there yeah <laughs> Yeah, and 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 Picard could immediately tell, like once he went down there, uh, that the the one admiral that he was aware of that he did know uh, wasn't acting right. Or actually, he came up to the ship. He came up. Yeah, to, uh, Quinn, to Admiral Quinn. Quinn. Yeah, um, and and he took a particular interest in Riker and trying to to get one of his little brain bugs into into Riker's body, but he wasn't having it. And Quinn is what he's the one that came with on the ship with. Uh, with uh, Lieutenant Commander Remick. They were in the episode together. Perfect, yes. Oh, that's who I meant. I'm sorry. He's an yeah, older so chap. 
it, it's kind of cool to to be able to kind of connect these threads from an earlier episode. Um, and again, eleven year old me when I first watched this back in '88 would not have put that together. But uh, be- but I appreciate yeah, it now because remember um, uh, the Admiral Quinn. He was the, his whole thing was just if he could trust Picard, and that's what right. uh, Lieutenant Commander Remick was was integrating the crew, like you know about his different choices and why they did this to, in this mission, why they did that, and blah blah blah. So yeah, that is a, a pretty fun tie-in to you know I, I don't know who to trust. The things are changing in the you know in Starfleet and not for the not for the better and blah blah blah. So so this could be like the beginnings of a long arc kind of story thread. Right. Do you Even do you think that really... in that first episode he knew and maybe I, maybe, he, he, maybe he hadn't been assimilated yet and maybe people were being assimilated. Eh. Right. I think of that. Yeah, I think, yeah. That's, I think that's what they're hinting at is that he was he wasn't understanding why everything was was so weird back at Starfleet, and he's like just stay close kind of thing. And then I mean that was several episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, that's why I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, but I'm really glad you brought that up because that makes a lot more sense now. And now I'm hoping that um, in future seasons, since Quinn uh, did survive, uh, spoiler alert. Um, mm-hmm the end of this one. hopefully we'll see him again yeah he was the only one that did the only one of the admirals oh. that to bring back because he was on board the enterprise he wasn't there in the shootout down on the planet on, on earth right i thought i thought they couldn't detach the thing but okay that makes sense if he survived uh coming of age was the episode that he was on it was episode 18 so then there was been one two three four five six this will be the seventh episode in that gap interesting so, yeah yeah. So I mean maybe maybe it would have uh resonated a little bit more had it been within the last three or four episodes. But uh the cool thing about it is this does establish some time in between when the uh Inquisition happened and now. Um but it takes us, you know, here here much later with our adult minds to put it together that oh yeah, holy shit, you know, these are connected and it's a larger story arc. So it's exciting to see because, as we know, later on in the further seasons, uh, we'll get into like entire season-long story arcs that we just don't really necessarily have here. It's almost kind of like a fighting for survival just to kind of see if the sh- if the the series is going to stay around doing a lot of kind of freak of the week kind of things up to this point. But um, I do want to point out, uh, since we didn't mention it before, we hinted at it at the end of last week's show, but the director of this episode, uh, Cliff Bowl, directed two prior episodes, episode nine, Hide and Q, and episode six, Lonely Among Us, uh, one of which we voted yay, one of which we voted nay. And the writer of the episode, Tracy Torme, also has two episodes under her belt, or his belt. Uh, Tracy could go both ways. Um Episode 10, Haven, and episode 11, The Big Goodbye, and also one yay, one nay. So we're running 50% on both of those. So this will be, if this doesn't, if we don't have an exciting nail biter for the very end of the season to see which way we end up uh, leaning, at least we have a tiebreaker tonight, today, for um, these particular writer and directors. Right. (laughs) Yeah. The fate of their careers is in our hands. Yeah. Never They'll never work again 30, 30 years ago. Yeah, 33 <laughs> years later. Here we are. Yeah, well, time will tell now. <laughs> they want to come back. We might be able to tell them, no, you had your shot. You blew it. 
So uh, before before we we kind of start wrapping things up, I want to talk about the fight scene in uh, Admiral Quinn's quarters with Riker as he's like trying to forcibly like overpower him to to get him to accept the bug into his life. Mm-hmm. Um, did, did you were you guys watching that fight very closely? It was I mean obviously because. Admiral Quinn is an older gentleman, an older actor. He's going to be a stunt double. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this stunt double, they didn't even try to hide his face. He was facing front, front facing the camera for a lot of this. You totally see it's a younger guy, thinner guy, taller guy, um, in, in the same outfit with, like, a white wig on. And it, it was absolutely ridiculous how much you could <laughs> tell. It was not Admiral Quinn fighting. Yeah, it was pretty, especially when he's doing those high kicks to the face. Riker's a tall guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the high kicks to the face were fantastic, um, and just just the physicality of it. Um, I think the only thing that uh, that Ward Costello, the guy that plays Admiral Quinn, actually did himself was when he got shot by the phaser because he kind of acted that out in slow motion as yeah. he was dropping to the ground. He was 69 yeah. in, in this episode, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not faulting the guy 100% at all, at all. I get it. And and Danny Trejo is actually the one who very famously said, look, you know, I'm, I'm the guy you pay to be in front of the camera to do the acting. You know, there's other people who specifically get paid to do the fighting and the falling and the crashing. That's not me. So, um, and that's the responsible, the responsible thing to do because as an actor, you're not trained to do all these crazy things and you get, hurt. Yeah. it's going to shut the, shut the show down and no one's getting paid. I'm looking at you, Harrison Ford. I was going Tom Cruise, but Harrison Ford yeah. too. <laughs> Tom Cruise well, I mean, fascinated himself to airplanes on the outside. <laughs> Bad idea. But we've already established he's got the whole Benjamin Button effect thing going on. So he's getting younger and his movies are getting better. And I don't know how that works. But Scientology. But anyway, yes, yeah. it works, folks. You heard it here first. Zenu. <laughs> yeah. Zenu. It's gonna come for you. Stay for the credits to get your order your copy of Dianetics today by L. Ron Hubbard. All right, uh, this is not sponsored in any way by the Church of Scientology. <laughs> Thank I God. will point out. Yes, <laughs> we we would be shut down and put into some sort of brainwashing booth. Yeah, yeah. pass. They would maybe, not take kindly to us. Maybe they have these little bugs in their in their throats. Oh shit! That's the yeah. I think you might be onto something. <laughs> they remind me of the little eels from Star Trek Two. Yeah, I was kind of getting that vibe too, especially with the whole ear thing, because um, that gives me the heebie-jeebies ever since seeing that movie. But yeah, this one they eat yeah. though; it goes in their yeah, it goes, goes in their, their throat, throat hole. hole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it pokes out their. I mean, if you're gonna stick a gill out somewhere, uh, why not through the open mouth that's already breathing, or into the throat that's already breathing air? Why do you have to like probe outside of the body? They gotta be inconspicuous, or they gotta be conspicuous from the look of it. I don't know. Mm. Anyway, I mean, I don't know how you get. I mean, basic biology lets you know that you can't go from the throat to the base of the spine. (laughs) It's not how it works. Yeah, that's true. I just feel like when they show the shot of the of the the gill sticking out, it's, it would be visible on someone's neck, and you know Riker walked right up behind that admiral, so he should have saw the <laughs> coming out of his out of his neck. I would think. Yeah, probably especially since he's tall and looking, looking down. At, people not looking at necks. 
I do. I look at everybody's neck. Okay. Well, there you go. You would be an excellent finder of these. I would. I'm not tall enough to look at people's necks. Yeah, I always yeah. check everybody. I'm always probing. <laughs> always, always probing. Always looking for alien parasites. Especially yeah. because you, when you're in the when you're a service member of some kind like this, you got to get a haircut pretty regularly. And when you True. get haircuts, the back of your neck is is pretty visible. So that's a flaw in the show. <laughs> there you go. Blown wide open. That would never happen. <laughs> Starfleet would have been completely impervious to this bunch of bullshit. It's, we're all nays now. We're all nays now. Yeah. Just say you, know, Justin, you just you just changed my vote. I'm, I am telling you nay. <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous. I, I don't know. I don't get it. And then and how, it took him forever to call for security. Back to the Riker fight. As soon as this guy punches me, I'd be like, eat a dick, dude. Security. Bring the big guns. Well, Riker thought he could fight back. He's like, "Look at this old guy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna have some fun with him." You know, he's just kind of doing his Riker flex. But uh, right, yeah, it, it takes him a little while to realize that. Oh shit! Somehow this old guy's juiced up, and I can't beat him. But even even still, I mean, it would be better to call for security first because um, one, anything could happen, right? But two, it would be a lot easier if if security could see this person awake and, and the behaviors that they were they were happening if, if let's just pretend that he was able to knock Riker was able to knock him out what's he gonna say to security yeah this fucking old guy just attacked me and they're like did you have to hit him so hard why are you beating up yeah. old people that'd be hard to explain right right look sir you gotta sprinkle some cocaine on him or drop a knife or something <laughs> down there <laughs> yeah you got a thing or two to learn about planting evidence yeah it would just it would ask a lot of questions so now I noticed we didn't get any like cool Riker stepping over his chair before sitting, but did you see that sweet move where he jumped over the table? Yeah, it's cool. Like like sideways, like fucking Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, he's ready to rock and roll. Yeah, he is. Good times. All right, for real though, I think it's time to to rate this thing. Um, sure. I'm I'm gonna just dive right in. Uh, I'm giving it a yay. Oh shit. For just because of the fact that the strength of the first half of the episode uh, really made it interesting, made it intriguing, and even though the the really cringeworthy effects in the back half um, almost almost stripped away all the good that the first half did, it was still a really interesting storyline, and it was a lot of fun. And if anything, our discussion uh, about the episode and how it tied into the previous uh, exchange with the admirals feeling uh, particularly kind of uh, nervous about the direction that Starfleet was heading and uh, the whole conspiracy thing starting that early on that, that really kind of like made me appreciate it that much more because they were taking the time to lay that lay down those seeds and let them grow seven episodes later. So yeah, yay out of me. Right. And I like, I will say that it was cool that a signal was sent out and it was kind of left ambiguous, like a kind of a horror movie ending. <laughs> that was an interesting touch. Yeah. Um, yeah, the homie beacon leads back to Earth. Right. Like, hey, we are we are among you. Get your ass to Mars slash Earth. It'll be fun. Um, I'll go ahead and give it a nay, uh, only because I think it got a little bit too silly for me. Uh, I did enjoy the first half, but once it got to Admiral kicking Riker, I, I lost it. I was nice to see Remick get his head blown up, I suppose, but um, those effects were just so cheeseball. I feel like 
if if I would have seen what we were dealing with, uh, then I probably would have gone a different route with how it was filmed because it just looked a little bit too too Clash of the Titansy for me, and I didn't I didn't like that. So I'll give it an A. Ooh, I gotta be the tiebreaker. Um, now I was I came in this I came into this episode as 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 a razor thin yay. Um, you know, I definitely I really really like the first half, and the second half is just it's just not good. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the Harry Hauser, <laughs> Harry, whatever, uh, Ray Harryhausen, the, Ray Harryhausen. There you go. Uh, you know, with the effects on that, yeah, I just, I just wasn't for it. Um, but I think I'm going to give it a razor thin yay, um, just because you know I did really enjoy like the story beats at the beginning. I like the kind of semi ambiguous ending, uh, and I like the callback to the previous uh, you know episode in there. So. Uh, I'm I'm a 51-49, yay. Well, there you have it. And that that settles season one is uh is yay. Uh, we don't have to watch the final episode, guys. We can skip that and go right <laughs> into season two. No Sweet, way. Right. Next Generation is obviously David's favorite show ever. He has the die has been cast. He loves it, even the terrible episodes. True. I honestly thought you were going to change your mind and you were going to go nay and we were going to have to take it to next week. To... Uh, but hey, do you know, just because uh, we have decided the fate of this of season one doesn't mean you should stop listening. We still have one more episode to check out. <laughs> wait, stop. Wait, stop. Good recovery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, what am I saying? No, no, no. Come back. Come back. Please. Please come back. Next week, we have an episode called The Neutral Zone. It was rated 7.5 stars, which is pretty damn high for this season. And here's the blurb. While assigned to investigate missing outposts in the neutral zone, the Enterprise revives three cryogenically frozen people found aboard a wayward derelict Earth vessel. So uh, something that happened in future seasons of Star Trek The Next Generation is they would end the season on a cliffhanger. Uh, most notably, like when uh, Picard was turned into Locutus of Borg um, and we, we were left on a cliffhanger. Oh, my God, he's he's turned. And then we had to wait however many months or a year until we got to see new episodes where our our, our valiant crew went to go try to uh, to rescue him. So um, I'm curious if this is going to be a cliffhanger for season two or if they designed season one to stand on its own and uh, be more or less self-reliant and not not leave people wanting more for a second season that may never have come back then. So um, next week we'll find out. Um, and uh, unless you guys have anything else you'd like to add, I want to thank you all for listening this week and for joining us on this crazy journey in this stuffy little escape pod with working plumbing. Um, and uh, come back next week. We're going to wrap this thing up, put a little bow on it, and Slip it under a tree. <laughs>